The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of They Get It. This is part three of three. You've made it through the entire mini series with David Luba, the co founder of Tentry, and we've saved a really good topic for this last episode. It's everything retail strategy. And so, David will talk through advice for people going through, you know, their first couple of retail partners. He'll talk a little bit more about the future of Tentry and things to look out for. And it's just a really good kind of evolution to. Tentry as a whole, what they've been through, what they've learned along the way, and where they're going. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this last interview with David Luba, co-founder of Tentry. We are back for part three with David from Tentry. Um, in our first part of the segment, we go into more detail about Tentry. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and listen to it. Now we want to talk a little bit about retail expansion. Um, and so before we dive into questions, David, tell us a little bit about where Tentry is today um, from a brick and mortar perspective. Yeah, thanks. Tentry's uh, sold in about 2,000 stores around, uh, around the world. Um, those stores are in Canada, US, and Europe. So we, we've really st- stayed focused on those three areas. And we work in a number of uh, different channels. We've got outdoor specialty stores. Um, such as MEC and REI. We also play in the lifestyle space. So a store such as maybe the Buckle in the US, Boathouse in Canada. Um, and then as well, we also play in more of like the fashion boutique space. Um, you can find Hentry in, in like a Simons and Nordstrom. Um, and then as well as like a lot of the, the mom and pop kind of boutique uh, stores as well. Those are some pretty big names. And if what other guests have told us reigns true for you as well, oftentimes it's a bit of like a snowball effect. Take us back to that very first account you landed. What was that process like? For sure. So our first uh, kind of semi-major account we, we opened um, was, uh, was Lola Belt. And um, we, uh, we opened them at one of our first trade shows. We, we had the buyer approach our booth. And just gave them a really good pitch about why we existed, what we stood for, and, and the whole Tantry concept. And immediately they, they were hooked. They were like, we really like this idea. Let's, uh, let's carry the brand. And after you get that first major account and you start winning in there, you show up with good POP, you're showing up good online, you're educating the store staff. Shortly after that, you'll see other major accounts uh, knocking on your door because they, wanna, they want some of the action as well. So right after we had Blow the Belt, we then started opening up um, more and more major accounts um, in that space, um, all the way up until recently when we first just started working with like Urban Outfitters, Sportcheck, Atmosphere, Nordstrom. Um, in the U.S., we work with Public Lands and, and Dick's Sporting Goods. 
Um, so we've been pretty uh, fortunate to have some amazing retailers come on board and want to represent Henshi well and tell our brand story to their consumers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so beyond getting um, the product to them, obviously that's a big part about working with retailers, but can you touch a little bit more about how to keep your brand story consistent with retailers? Like, What are the steps you're taking to make sure that comes through well? Well, one is making sure you're in the right retailers. So like when we take a step back and it's like, okay, where, where do we want our customers to be finding Tentry? We've created a qualifying um, set of standards and criteria. We kind of go through this qualifying, um, this qualifier, who's their customer? Um, does it align with the Tentry customer? Um, for instance, um, do they carry all genders, men, women, female, kids? Because then that gives a few extra points there. So we've created this set of standards for where we want to be showing up. Does that retailer give you selfie reports? So after you determine where you want to play, um, it's really making sure you're also not overextending yourself. When we launched in a, a large U.S. retailer, we launched in all 150 doors. Where if I could, if I could do it over again, it would be to launch in five doors, do it extremely well with the right sections, the right buildouts the right training, and then every year after that, launching like three more doors. That's kind of how I would have done it again. So I think it's it's making sure you don't put the, the cart before the horse and you can you can show up and make sure you have those selfie results to have like a like scalable business model as opposed to trying to get that quick win, which uh, we have to learn the hard, the hard way, unfortunately. You know, we've actually heard from a couple of other guests that are really big in this retail space that turnover is kind of inevitable right? Like they'll get into one retailer for a couple of months, that door will shut just as another retailer is opening. And it just seems to be this constant ebb and flow. But it sounds like you guys have maintained relationships over the long term. Do you think that's because you're a high producing purpose driven brand? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't say we're staying with them because we're purpose driven. I'd say we're staying with them because we've had a success talking about why we're purpose driven, which has caused the customer to buy more, which has given us good sell you at high margin. Um, so we're one of the, the fastest turning brands. So we have a very low retail turnover. We're with the same accounts year after year, and we've seen some amazing growth. But I, I think it really has to do with um, what the brand stands for, which gives us that those sales results, which is why the retailer keeps coming back for more. And sustainability as well is, is m- more and more a topic people care about. So like we're in a very favorable position being a Canadian company that really cares about the environment. And it's not like we started caring about the environment after we started. We wanted to plant trees and we came up with the idea to plant trees with clothing. So I think of the retail game as being almost like a necessary evil. I know that's a really um, pessimistic view on it. But I just I think it's a lot of hurdles. It's a lot of kind of catering to retailers and trying to bend over backwards for people. If a brand is newer to the retail distribution side of their business, what advice do you have for them in setting up those relationships and building for the long term? I think choose your partners wisely as well. Like it's really easy to say yes to everyone who calls you and be over the moon for everyone who calls you and trying to open everyone. But at the end of the day, um, once your distribution gets out of control, it's really hard to scale that back and, and be more meaningful. So I think like less is more. We would much rather be um, doing a million dollars in 100 doors than $2 million in 10,000 doors. 
And that's not for the record how we measure our success. We measure our success in trees planted and hours of work provided. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's kind of how I would be thinking about things when you look at your portfolio of, of retail partners. Mm-hmm. Okay. And from um, a retail versus e-com perspective, what does that split look like? Like is retail kind of your bread and butter and e-com is a side or yeah, how's the split? Um, it's pretty balanced. Like they they go back and forth a little bit, you know, when the pandemic hit, like e-com accelerated wholesale pulled back. Now that things are open and people want to get outside and shop more, they're, they're kind of leveling off, um, around 50, 50, but they both elevate, um, one another. You know, you find the brand online, you, you look at our Instagram, you look at our website. If you're really happy with what you see, the idea is you'd make your purchase in store if you're in there shopping. Um, and you see Tentry in the store and, and you're happy with what you see in there as well. But I do think it's so important to have consistency. You can't be showing up one way in your wholesale channel, a different way online. Um, and even down to the product launches you have. Like we've done some pretty incredible launches. Uh, we did Dr. Seuss, which was super successful. Um, National Geographic, which was great. And then we've got Smokey the Bear launching right away, which is going to help kind of get funds back for uh, for areas that have been ravished by wildfires, but making sure that all of our channels are speaking the same language at the same time is so important. Ah, oh, you guys are killing it. This is amazing. Okay, so if we take the long-term perspective, let's just say 10 years from now, if we were to look into the future, what does Tentry look like? I hope Tentry is the, the global leader for making saving the planet simple. I hope you look at Tentry, you look at Veritree, and Tentry is your example of what the perfect sustainable organization looks like from supply chain to being environmentally progressive and, and lifting people out of poverty. And I really want Tentry to be that example for what other organizations can be. And I want Veritry to be that tool to get other businesses there. Well, I think you are well on your way. And that is such a good mission to be working towards. David, we'll wrap it here because we're already over time. But thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Um, I think our audience is going to find a ton of value in this. And yeah, we really appreciate it. We really respect what you're doing too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me, uh, Kelsey and, and Emma. It's been a pleasure and, and I really enjoyed our conversation. So thanks again.